Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. Welcome back to the New Life Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Ben, and with me, as always, is Pastor Eric, our discipleship pastor here. And today we're going to continue to guide you through our life group setting here, especially in the idea of leading them and guiding them and and what they should all have encompassed within them. And so today we're going to step into a topic called Encouraged Calling. And so just to start us off, I want to step into this conversation by defining what that means. Because a lot of times as Christians, especially in Lutheran churches and probably other denominations, we hear this term calling and it sounds so spiritual and special that we tend to associate it with just pastors and missionaries and people who have stepped into what we call uh, full-time vocational ministry, right? Those who have dedicated their lives and are actually earning their income um, through living out their lives in ministry, And so we want to start off by first uh, defining that in the most appropriate sense so you can understand it actually encompasses you. So I'm going to pass it on to Eric and have him answer that question, which is, what is encouraged calling? Or maybe more specifically, what is a calling for a Christian? We believe, as especially as um, Protestants, as Lutherans, um, and what uh, Martin Luther called the priesthood of all believers, and what's and that's a pretty popular term, and a lot of Protestants would would uh, use that term as well. But but it essentially means this: that in our baptism, we are ordained um, to participate in God's mission in the world. Um, Paul calls the Corinthians ministers of the reconciliation. He says that every all the believers in Corinth are called to do the ministry of reconciling people to God. So we believe that in our baptism, we are ordained um, ministers, and then we are um, called then to do a couple of things because of that ministry, that ordination that we have in our baptism. And and primarily, um, that, co- that falls into two different categories um, that we'll talk about today. Um, that I think are the two pro- kind of main categories that we do um, as believers, as priests, um, as ministers of the reconciliation. And that's, first of all, uh, to proclaim the gospel. So we tell people about Jesus. Um, and secondly, is to make our community better. So we reconcile people to Jesus, uh, but we are also called to um, work hard and make our communities better, safer, um, more secure, more flourishing uh, places. Yeah, that's a really beautiful thing. In in the book of Matthew, we read these words, and I think they're intimately connected to this idea. And, and the concept is this. Um, Jesus is talking, he's saying, look, the, the fields are ripe for harvest. Yeah. And he's talking about people. Like, the fields are ripe for harvest, but the workers are few. 
And this is a verse that's been bouncing around in my head pretty much nonstop for the last six months. And another way to understand this is the the harvest is plentiful, right? The harvest is ready. There's people out there who obviously need God and need his transformation, but the resources are few. Now, in America, here's the reality we're living in. We don't actually have a lack of resources. Mm. We have a lack of resources that we have given towards this mission, Yeah, right? We have a nation that... Uh, a majority, a, a mass majority of people, even in kind of a post-Christian era, would say they are Christians, which means they have a unique calling, right? They are part of the priesthood of all believers, which means the fields are ripe for harvest, and they just aren't harvesting. Mm-hmm. Another way to understand mm-hmm. this, too, is the fields are ripe for harvest, but the resources, the fiscal resources, are not available. There is probably not a single church in America, unless they live in the richest community with the most faithful givers, that are like, man, there's so much money, we just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and uh, many times we look at churches and we're thinking, man, they just that church just doesn't do a lot. You know, They don't accomplish as much as we would think. They don't minister the way that we think they should minister. The reality is they're not short on ideas. And they're not short on on a heartbeat for the lost or the heartbeat for the poor. They don't have the resources. And so we read these words of Christ, and those words ring true today, which means as Americans, we have a unique opportunity because the fields are ripe for harvest. We just need to actually harvest, mm-hmm. right? We need to step into our calling. We need to give uh, fiscally so that the people doing ministry full-time can accomplish their goals. Churches can get finances put behind the members to accomplish their goals and use their gifts. So this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing, and it really maximizes our potential because the idea of thinking that only a few people are meant to be called uh, by necessity limits the amount of people harvesting. Mm -hmm. And so Christ's words are beautiful because it's just saying, hey, look, Take advantage of the opportunities that you have. We all have opportunities, and we can all harvest. We can all bring this transformation into people's lives. We can change their eternity and their present. And so this section is is one of my favorite sections that we're going to talk about because it's so, so exciting. But I don't want you to get lost in just that excitement. I want you to actually know how to accomplish this goal. And so Pastor Eric's going to really walk you through a number of things to help you really put some handles on this. So you guys can actually begin to live out your calling, maybe be less intimidated thinking, hey, I don't have this degree, or maybe I don't have this pedigree. I didn't go up in a Christian home. This is all new to me, whatever that is. And so we want to break down those barriers so we can truly, truly, truly um, be the resources in God's hand, be willing resources in God's hand to accomplish his goal. So uh, Pastor Eric, why don't you begin to walk us through this idea of vocation and how that fits into our calling? Yeah, so every single one of us has um, something that God has has given us to do. Um, so we're so for you and I, we our vocation is pastors, and that's not um, although that vocation is is unique in some ways because uh, of our work. Our work is a little bit different um, than some of our congregation members. Fundamentally. Um, it's not different. Fundamentally, it's exactly the same. Because what do we do? We proclaim the gospel. 
um, and we make our community better. The, the difference is that um, for you, for as pastors, we're kind of looking um, inward a little bit more. So primarily our work is in the church with the congregation, um, not exclusively, but primarily it's in the church and with the congregation. So we, we proclaim the gospel to um, and we disciple our congregation and we make our community better. We equip our congregation members to um, love and serve God and love and serve their neighbors better. But everybody has um, something that they do. It could be, a, they, they might be a parent, that's a vocation. They might be a brother or sister, that's a vocation. Even being a child is a vocation. A vocation is simply uh, whatever God has for you to do right in front of you. So, for example, um, my vocation um, as husband um, requires me to love my wife and support my wife, uh, proclaim the gospel to her, right, disciple her, and also to make her better and make my family better um, as a husband and a father. But if I were, um, that extends even into if I were a plumber or a teacher um, or a, a salesperson or an executive, um, we can, in those spaces that we have, uh, proclaim the gospel. And there is some uh, complications when it comes to workspaces and talking about our faith. Uh, but fundamentally, we can still um, communicate well about Jesus um, through our actions and through our words, and importantly, maybe most importantly, through our words, um, because people can't come to faith without hearing it. Um, so we want to communicate to people um, about Jesus in uh, gentle and careful ways, uh, but we can also make our community better. A plumber uh, makes our community healthier because it helps us, uh, they help us move waste out of our homes and, and away from us, and they help um, they help it get it to the places that it needs to go to be drained and then um, recycled back onto uh, fields um, for sludge. So they, they do good work, right? And they help make the community better. And this is as important as a pastor. The work of a plumber, the work of a teacher, the work of a stay-at-home parent, the work of an executive is as important and, and, and as important to God as a pastor is, because fundamentally, we're all doing the same things. We're proclaiming the gospel, and we're making our community better. Yeah, that really opens up the box a lot for us, that really anyone, anyone, anyone has the opportunity. And what's really What's really beautiful about that is that everyone has a unique opportunity. Um, sometimes I get caught up on Facebook or, or on the internet watching people like change their homes around, right? They're destroying their bathrooms and they're putting in like new showers and all this stuff. And it's like this do it yourself video. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's great. Except for I can't actually do that myself. And uh, the reason is God hasn't crafted me that way. God made somebody that way. So that means that somebody right. who carries the banner of Christ has that skill set, right. can do it with excellence. And what does that do? It opens up people's doors, literally to them, right. to be the face of Christ in that space. And the better they do their job, guess what will happen? The more opportunities they'll have. More people will hire them, their name will go out there, and they'll actually begin to expand the name of Christ. Now, will just good work alone uh, accomplish that goal? No, it takes it takes some words, it takes some conversations. But that really leads us into our our next part, which is sharing the gospel. So, Pastor, explain uh, what sharing the good news looks like, and uh, how anyone and everyone could actually accomplish that goal. Yeah. So, um, this is this is super important um, for for a lot of Protestants. This is kind of an essential task uh, for Lutherans. I think that we have a distinct. Distinctly, um, a distinctly biblical um, 
And uh, we have a distinctly biblical emphasis on this. And we would point to Romans, and I think it's in chapter 10, but that may not be right, uh, where Paul says, um, we, we are saved, we, hear, we, we receive the gospel by hearing it. And how can people hear it if there's not someone to preach it to them, to proclaim it to them? Um, so at the end of the day, we believe that people are saved by the proclamation of a word to them. Then uh, God um, gives the Holy Spirit by telling people about Jesus and by proclaiming the word. And that actually uh, resurrects dead people and allows them to have faith um, if they have, if they trust, if they have faith. Um, so, so for us, it's important that we are telling people about Jesus. And this can um, happen a myriad of ways. And we under, I understand that there's some complications, um, but I want to kind of give some um, some guidelines, some basic thoughts, and, and Pastor Ben, I'm sure that you'll have um, some thoughts and opinions and ideas as well. Uh, but the first thing when um, sharing the gospel is establishing a relationship um, and a repertoire with, with the individual that you're sharing with. So if, for example, uh, let's say that you have uh, somebody who is, you're, you're going into somebody's house and you're renovating their bathroom, right? Let's say, uh, let's say that's the case. Um, and so they open up the door to you literally and you go in and you renovate their bathroom. If you do a crappy job renovating their bathroom and then like invite them to church or tell them about Jesus, like your, your work um, and your, your vocation, your vocational excellence is going to negatively impact um, that uh, proclamation of the gospel because they're, they're going to have a hard time um, hearing the gospel when they're thinking about how poorly <laughs> how poorly you did um, in their bathroom, so having a relationship with them, a repertoire with them, th- uh, the person understanding what you're about, how you operate, and especially if you operate with excellence um, in your relationships and honesty and, and integrity in your relationships, that's going to go a long way. So people are going to be much more receptive to the gospel if you have a relationship or a repertoire with them. Um, you're going to be able to uh, proclaim the gospel in a much more efficient, efficient manner. Um, so, so that's kind of the first thing: have a relationship, um, get to know the person. Uh, don't don't just. I mean, cold calls are difficult, and there we have. There's a very low uh, return rate on cold calls. So, uh, neighbors that you're friends with, uh, good friends that you've grown up with, uh, family members, uh, people that you've worked with, um, and you've built you built. Uh, solid relationships with them. They know what you're about. They know that you're an honest and integral person. Those are kind of the essential, kind of the bedrock uh, for proclaiming the gospel. Um, and then um, there's a couple of things that are some really easy ways uh, to proclaim the gospel to them is uh, just tell them, hey, um, I'm, I'm a Christian. Um, I follow Jesus. Um, and I go to church on Sundays, and uh, we have a great time at worship. And I would like, uh, I would love if you would to, to come with me. I'm, I'll meet you there. I'll pick you up, whatever it might be. I'll sit with you. Um, I'll buy you a coffee drink. Um, just, just inviting them to worship, um, and inviting them into that life with you um, will help them um, hear the gospel, because they're going to um, be if if they become part of the life. Um, of the community and part of the life of the church, um, they're going to be able. They're, they're going to be interested in hearing the gospel. And there's a, a, several people that I know that first uh, started going to church and being part of the community of believers, and then came to faith in Jesus. Um, so that's a that's a good way to do it. Simply invite, 
invite them to worship, invite them to Christmas Eve, invite them, invite them, invite them. Um, and they may say, no, that's not for me. And you say, all right, great. And you wait a little while and you invite them again a few months later and you just keep keep at it. Um, and your witness will um, will hopefully uh, transform them. Another easy thing uh, to do is to just pray, pray for people, right? If your neighbor is going through a hard time, um, Say, oh man, I'm so sorry that's happening. Um, can I can I pray uh, for you uh, right now for that, and then pray for them and help them if if you can uh, with their with their need. If they're in need of something, uh, they need to get something done around the house, or uh, they have some relationship issues, and you can help them. Go ahead and help them. Actually, like put your hands and feet to work for them um, and make your community better. Uh, but praying for them just on the spot um, for needs that they might have is another great way. Uh, to share your faith, that's kind of a low-pressure situation. Um, and then another way that I think, and this goes back to having a, a relationship with with them first, um, is just witness. Just tell them about what God is doing in your life. You don't even have to invite them to uh, have faith in Jesus. Just tell them um, about God's work in your life, that God is working on you in these areas, He's he's bettering you in these areas, you're struggling with this and that, um, you've had to uh, maybe go through uh, some dying to self in a certain area. Just tell them about that. Um, and you don't even necessarily have to invite them to do anything or invite them to think anything or believe anything, uh, but just witness to them about what God has done. And that's another kind of low pressure way um, to share the faith and proclaim the gospel that will. And those things are effective in enlivening people and making them able uh, to have faith. So those are just some basic um maybe some low, uh, low pressure things that you can do, um, establish a relationship with them before you proclaim the gospel, invite them to worship, pray for them, um, on the spot when they have a need, um, and tell them about what God is doing in your life. Yeah. And when we do that, our ultimate goal is to transform their eternity, to get them into a relationship with God that, uh, allows them to become a son and daughter of the King, which means if you're a son and daughter of the King, you live in the King's home. And so that's one of the most exciting things. It changes our perspective on life. But not only do we know as we read Scripture and internalize that truth that we have transformation in the future, but we also have transformation in the present, which means a community of believers that lives out their faith in a community actually makes that community better. Uh, So, Pastor Eric, can you kind of explain how that works out as believers take their faith into every area of their lives and how that makes the community a better place, actually? Yeah, so there, there are kind of three areas um, that I identified that I kind of um, harp on when it comes to doing our vocation and making our community better, um, and that's uh, spouse and family. Uh, and not everyone has um, an immediate family. You know, sometimes people are, are single, and that's fine. Um, so that kind of changes that first one. But everyone has neighbors. They have people who live right next to them, um, and they have neighborhoods, uh, communities of people that live together in close proximity. Um, and thirdly is the workplace. So those are kind of the three main areas that I focus on when I think about bo- vocation, uh, teach on it, and coach people, um, disciple people in their vocation is those three areas, spouse and family, neighbors and streets, uh, in your neighborhood, and uh, the workplace. And so just some easy ideas. What I want to do uh, today is just provide some some easy ideas uh, to help you kind of get in the right frame of mind when you are interacting with these things. So with your spouse and your family, um, the first thing is selfless acts of love, just uh, being willing um, to care for them. So uh, one of my favorite examples that I've heard from a, from a, 
uh, teacher was, um, was in the morning when I wake up and I make that pot of coffee, um, which hasn't happened recently, but when I make that pot of coffee, it's pouring my wife's mug first before I pour mine. So it's cold by the time she gets that's, it. Well, that's right. Well, that's how she likes it. She <laughs> wants it to sit on the counter for a few minutes before she drinks it. So I pour it for her first and then I pour mine and then I bring them out. Um, and I, and I bring her a coffee and without her needing to ask me to do that. Um, so it's just having, um, considering the, the, your spouse and your family, um, just selflessly, just consider them, um, maybe go that extra mile with them, um, and, and, and to care for them, just to show them, um, that, that you do love them and that you do care for them because that just helps make a better environment. Uh, the second thing is, uh, just be, be kind, <laughs> be nice to, to your spouse because, you know, it's easy to um, come home from work and be kind of grouchy. It's easy um, to let little things build up um, because they don't take out the trash fast enough or because they don't do the dishes a certain way or because they load the dishwasher, you know, whatever. Like it's easy for little things um, to to build up and um, kind of take over um, your mind. And, and so then it's easy to snap at them. It's easy to uh, maybe be a little bit short with them. Uh, but but I, th- I think about it this way. It's strange to me that we treat guests, we, we treat people that we've never met before better than we treat our spouses. Um, so that was convicting for me several years ago um, when I realized that, like, why, why is that? Why do we treat people that we don't know even better than the person that I'm spending the rest of my life with um, and that I'm partnered with in life? Um, so that changed for me. And so... Um, and so I oftentimes think about that and actively try to treat my wife better than I would even treat a guest. Um, so waiting on her, making sure that she's comfortable, um, just checking in on her, making sure she's okay, those types of things. Um, so just be kind and encouraging to your spouse. Um, those are uh, simple ways to just love them and to support them. Um, be the best spouse uh parent you can be, uh, you're going to fail. You're not going to do everything right all the time. Uh, that's, and that's how that works. Uh, we're flawed individuals, but, um, we can try to be the best we can be. We can, um, read books and listen to podcasts and try to, uh, cultivate excellence in our parenting, be really intentional in our parenting, not reactive in our parenting. Um, and we can be intentional in our loving our spouse and not reactive in that. Um, so maybe that means, um, uh, I don't know that that can mean that can mean a lot of things. How you react to your child throwing a tantrum, or trying to um, think one step ahead of your spouse and what they might need um, from you relationally or intimately, whatever that might look like. Trying to uh, actively and intentionally uh, be um, be active in loving and caring for and being excellent as a spouse. Um, or a parent. So that's another good way is actually just try to be a good spouse and parent. Um, and then the, the last thing is family devotions. Um, so cultivating some kind of uh, uh, faith life in your home is a great way to make your family better. Um, and we have an extensive conversation about that uh, from several individuals talking about their family devotions on this podcast several months ago. Um, so I think those ended in November. So um, you can go back and listen listen to those ones. Um, so then the next thing that I that I incur that I uh, coach and teach um, and disciple people on is being a good neighbor uh, and living in your neighborhood well. And this is um, this is another we've lost really lost. Um, 
in in the Western world how to be good neighbors. Um, and so I'll give my neighbors as an example. I have one set of neighbors who um, actually actively avoid interaction. Um, and it's not like nothing has happened. We've never had. We actually have really only had positive interactions uh, with these neighbors at a garage sale. We went over and, and we talked to them. Um, but for whatever reason, um, for them, being a good neighbor means um, uh, being private, right? And not being in each other's business. Um, and so that's from that. Um, I'm sure that they uh, adhere to uh, that old poet who said, um, good fences make good neighbors. So uh, but the, at the end of the day, um, you have people in close proximity to you that need Jesus and um, that that need to be reconciled uh, to God. So how can you make them their lives better and how can you make your neighborhood better? And there's a couple of uh, just a few easy suggestions that I have for you guys is first of all, um, just being a good neighbor, <laughs> being friendly with people Um talking to people, learning their stories, knowing their names, um, because I'm guessing that many of those people listening right now don't even know the names of their immediate neighbors, uh, probably couldn't name their six closest neighbors. Um, and so that's just kind of the first step is getting to know people, learning their names, hearing their stories, um, letting people borrow things and borrowing from other people. Um, there was actually several years ago when I was an intern um, at a church in college, we were going through this process of talking about how to be a good neighbor. And he um, realized that he went out and he had bought um, power tools for everything he could possibly need. Even if he only uses them once a year or once every other year, he has a power tool for it. And so he felt so convicted that he sold um, almost all of his power tools so that he could go and ask his neighbors to borrow theirs. Um, and so they kind of created this sharing economy before the sharing economy was really, really popular um, in their neighborhood where uh, he knew that this neighbor had this thing and this neighbor knew that he had this thing and they would just borrow from each other. Um, that's what good neighbors do. They uh, they loan out um, things that they need. Um, also, um, if someone gets sick, just make food for them and, and, and take it um, to them. Uh, have neighborhood uh, get-togethers. Host host some of your neighbors um, for a cookout at your house. Uh, I one time heard uh, a, a Christian writer said that Christians should throw the best parties uh, because we have the most to celebrate. Um, so just being hospitable with your neighbors, inviting them over for dinner, uh, making them um, uh, brownies or cookies or whatever, um, just getting to know your neighbors, being active and being in your neighbor's lives and having them be um, in your life. Um, just participating with them in the neighborhood um, is is important. If you have some sort of neighborhood association, being involved in that and getting to know people, even though lots of times those things just turn into, um, you know, whatever people complain about things. Not everyone goes, but you can be you can participate and change some of those cultures um, of those things. So that's some easy ideas. Just be a good neighbor. Um, let people borrow things, borrow from people, have um, have your neighbors over, know their names. Um, if they get sick, make them food, um, give them support that way. Um, shovel their driveway, you know, and just, you know, whatever. Like when it snows, there's lots of things you can do to just be a good neighbor. Um, show your neighbors that you care about them and that you want them to, to flourish in, in life. And that's going to build that relationship where you can um, proclaim the gospel to them, which is great. Then the third place um, is the workplace. 
Um, so your workplace is a great opportunity for you uh, to share your faith, to let people know uh, uh, about Jesus. And uh, a couple of things. Um, again, this is we're talking about making our community better. So in the workplace, just be a good coworker. Work hard. Honor other people's time. Don't always be running late for everything. Um, don't talk bad about your coworkers behind their back. Um, don't participate in office um, gossip when it comes to your coworkers. Be kind to people. Um, help people out. Give give people advice if they ask for it. Go to people and and have them give you advice if they're good at something. Just participate. Be a good participant in the workplace. Um, try to be as good as you can be. Don't try to uh, fake that you're better than you are. Just be honest, have integrity, work hard, um, honor people's times, be kind, honor people's time, be kind. Um, just be as good of a coworker as you can. That's going to lay that foundation where you can share the gospel because people are going to be much more receptive to hearing Jesus. If you know that you want, if you have their best interest in mind, um, in other ways too. So uh, that's your vocation. There's some easy things, uh, that you can start doing this week, um, that you can kind of dedicate yourself to, um, to make your community better. Those are all very good. Obviously, if we uh, actually bring Christ into our lives and bring his loving spirit into every area of our lives, it should change how people see us and how people can see Christ. And that's really the goal is to have people see Christ through us because he promises that he actually lives within us and the Holy Spirit is living active mm-hmm. within us. And so mm-hmm. just really letting God shine through is the big part to actually guide us into conversations. And if we just did that simply enough, right, if we just let Christ shine through, I, I have to believe that people would be more receptive to the gospel. Yeah. And honestly, the name Christian would take on a, a much better connotation than many times it does. Because many times people know what we're against more than what we're for. And uh, that's really where we want to shine is letting people know what we're for, which is bringing Christ's love, mm-hmm. bringing Christ's transformation into their life. Well, as we've been having this conversation, you might be thinking, hey, weren't we talking about life groups? I mean, all this stuff I can literally do on my own, right? I can figure out my calling. I can live it out where God has placed me. I can make my little segment of the community better. I I can do all these things. So why a life group? Well, we're going to answer that next. And that's really a key component because uh, as you think about your life, all these things were always available to you. All all these transformational principles were always available to you. You could have done all of these things along the way, but you didn't, right? And so this is where life groups step in. So Pastor Eric, explain to us how um, our calling is actually encouraged uh, very, very well, and probably maybe the best way within a life group. Yeah. So this um, will go back to um, kind of the method that we use for the faithful living as well, and that is accountability questions. Um, So... When we hold each other um, accountable in our walk with um, with Jesus, we're not trying to play the gotcha game where we're um, trying to just find out where people are failing, um, but we actually want people to get better. And so we hold each other accountable and we disciple each other that way. So uh, we, we do the similar thing that we do with Faithful Living, which is um, I have a series of questions um, that the life group can just ask each other to just check in, see how we're doing um, in our vocation, see if we're kind of keeping the main thing, the main thing in our vocation. And so some of those questions look like this. 
how has Christ lived in you in regards to your family, work, and neighbors? So how, where have you seen um, Christ guiding you and empowering you to serve and love and be selfless um, in your family, work, and neighbors? That's an easy one, right? Uh, that's, and that's not even a, a really so much um, an accountability question. That's more of an awareness question. Like, hey, this week, I'm sure that there have, you've done some things well. Um, and as Christians, we believe that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good works. Um, so if you have good works, they must be from Jesus. Um, so what are, where were those good works happening in your life, um, in your, when it comes to your family, your work, and your neighbors? Uh, the second question that I have on this list, how have you acted selfishly toward your family, friends, coworkers, and neighbors? So having some time for confession. Um, saying, oh man, well this, you know, this week I was really bummed out because I didn't do this thing well at work. So then at home I was all depressed because, you know, I was thinking about that and this other thing. Um, so, so you've acted selfishly at some point. So it's recognizing that, confessing that, um, and receiving forgiveness for those things as well. Um, number three, do you have unrealistic expectations for your family, friends, coworkers, and neighbors? Do you expect your spouse to, uh, do all the, all the house cleaning, even though they've worked, um, just as long as you have that day? Uh, what kind of expectations are you putting on your family, your kids? Do you expect, uh, see, this is, do you expect your two-year-old to not throw a tantrum? Like, of course not. He's two years old, right? Your, your kid's going to throw a tantrum. Um, so you, you just examine your expectations, uh, for your neighbors, um, and are they unrealistic? And if they are, then you need to start deconstructing those expectations. Number four, uh, do you have tension, disagreement, resentment, or negative feelings toward any of your family, friends, coworkers, or neighbors? Uh, this is a classic um, AA style question. Examining our resentments, examining our negative feelings towards people and towards things and situations, um, trying to root those things out and address them in a more realistic and positive way. Um, so we kind of we kind of root out all those uh, all the negative interactions um, and negative tension and resentments that we have. We examine them and then we we get rid of them um, by uh, finding some ways to move forward and finding some ways to let go of those. Uh, five again. This is this kind of goes piggybacks to the last one. Have how have you attributed to this tension, disagreement, resentment, or negative feeling? Um, so again, that's kind of still exploring those um, those negative things that have go- been going on. Uh, six. How can you reconcile with? And show love to your family, friends, coworkers, or neighbors this week. So those resentments, those negative feelings, um, those tensions, how can you reconcile those things? And how can you uh, begin to uh, love them and care for your neighbors, your family, your coworkers um, selflessly? And then uh, lastly, um, how have you told your family or your coworkers, your neighbors about um, God or about what Christ is doing in your life. So actually like asking people, how have you shared your faith? How have you witnessed what God is doing in your life? Um, and these questions are just uh, like the faithful living questions. Uh, they're just examples of ones that you can ask, uh, tools in your tool belt. Um, if you want these questions, let me know. I can get them to you. Eventually we will have a little a little uh, booklet that will have some of these suggested questions. That way you can have it with you while you're leading your life group. Um, But they're just examples of the kinds of questions you can ask. How have you seen Christ live in you? How have you acted uh, selflessly? How have you shown love? How have you done good works? That's Christ in you. How has Christ worked in you? Where is there tension? Um, Where have you acted selfishly? How are you attributing to negative uh, tension and negative feelings, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a way to examine and uh, hold each other to account 
to uh, share the gospel and to make our community better, to do our calling, our vocation well. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast as you've learned that you do have a calling on your life. Even if it isn't to be a missionary or a pastor, you have a calling because you have been called by Christ into his family, which means you are an ambassador for Christ. And so hopefully you can find some space at your work, in your peer group, in your family, or wherever God has uniquely placed you and uniquely skilled you to live out your calling. But most importantly, I hope that you find a life group to find a place where you can find that accountability and where people can encourage you into your calling so you'll actually live it out. Mm-hmm. Because you, we only live so long, and I don't want you to waste it. I know Pastor Eric doesn't want you to waste it. Okay. He wants you to take advantage of every opportunity that God has given you so you can move forward in your calling. So get around a group of people who encourage you and move you forward and help you on this spiritual journey. Until next time, uh, we look forward to talking to you. I have been Pastor Ben, and with me as always is Pastor Eric, and we will catch you guys next time.